today on the Tearsheet Podcast. As e-commerce has grown around the world, what's interesting is, is while technology is a global trend, local factors, including local regulatory environment, local cultural preferences, have, have determined uh, actually which are, are winners and losers in, in the way people pay. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Tearsheet Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. Simon Black, PPRO CEO, is my guest today on the show. The company is off a big fundraising, which comes after 2020, where the local payments company doubled its Q4 transaction volumes year over year. PPRO has grown its team 60% in the past 12 months as it expands globally. Simon talks about why payment companies are so focused on local payments and how his firm differentiates itself in an increasingly competitive market. Simon Black is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Hi, I'm Simon Black. I'm the CEO of PPRO. Uh, PPRO enables local payments for e-commerce right around the world. We help companies navigate the complexity driven by the fact that people pay in different ways using different payment methods in countries uh, across the world. Great. And thanks for joining us, Simon. Um, so I want to talk about um, what you just said and, and that trend of, of a localized payments. Can you talk about maybe where we've come from and sort of where we're headed? Sure. A, a lot of e-commerce was, was driven out of the US and Western Europe, particularly UK on one hand, um, but then also uh, in China, parts of Southeast Asia. For the, those driven out of the West and the US, you know, the dominant payment methods have been Visa, MasterCard, uh, to some extent PayPal and Amex. But it's a fairly homogenous way to pay for things. As e-commerce has grown around the world, what's interesting is, is while technology is a global trend, local factors, including local regulatory environment, local cultural preferences, have, have determined uh, actually which are, are winners and losers in, in the way people pay. So what are some examples? Well, even in a developed market like Germany today, still majority of adults don't have a credit card. Why is that? Because of a cultural aversion to credit. So how do people tend to pay online? Actually, one of the most common ways to pay is direct from your bank account. So mm -hmm. what in the US you, you would refer to as ACH. Um, you know, in, in the U US, UK, you're like, really? Why would you want to do that? You know, surely you want to pay with your credit card or with PayPal, but it's just different. You know, different countries have evolved in a different way. China, a whole generation, a first generation of middle class skipped plastic altogether. And the dominant way to pay for, for in China online in particular is, is through wallets, mobile wallets, Alipay, WeChat Pay. So you have these different trends in different markets, uh, which have created great complexity. And, and so the local way to pay is super important. Why? Because ultimately it can mean more or less revenue for a seller. Uh, because as consumers, one of the, we avoid friction, right? We like to do things which are easy and convenient. So if you can't pay with your preferred payment method, you would go shop somewhere else. Imagine you were shopping online at a site which said, hey, we don't accept credit cards, right? There's a high chance you would go elsewhere to look for that same product. So that's why local payments, local payment methods have become more and more critical as e-commerce has developed around the world. And so the, the local payment, I understand that completely with the, the importance and emergence of, of, of local payments. Um, who, who's, but the merchants that's selling in China is going to offer local payments. Is it, is it the fact that this is um, challenged by the multinational merchants? 
Well, merchants big and small are internationalizing, um, particularly yeah. for e-commerce, because the barriers to entry are very low. So, you know, if, if you're a small business selling online in the US, you have a hell of a market to go for before you want to go overseas. If you're a small market selling online in Belgium, you've got a pretty limited market, right? And, and you're part of the EU where there's a lot of harmonization. So, mm -hmm. but you want to sell into the Netherlands or into Germany is a pretty natural thing to do, even for a small business. So we, we're not we're just speaking about multinationals here, far from it. Um, and there's a growing trend of internationalization, even small or medium-sized US companies seeing bigger opportunities, depending on what sector you're in, who your audience is, uh, again, the barriers to entry are, uh, are low for, for selling overseas. So it's something that's, that's applying now to, to more and more businesses. Um, and, and we help them navigate those, those local market differences. But would it help if I gave you a couple of examples you know, for, of, of scenarios? Sure. And I know you sell into different types of entities. I guess explaining those, those entities that those scenarios would be helpful. Yes. Yeah, so we, we, we focus on enabling the payments industry. So mm -hmm. I think we, we partner with, with a, a lot of companies that, that your listeners would be familiar with, uh, like WorldPay, now part of FIS, uh, or MasterCard. They have a payment gateway division um, through to, to tech players uh, like Molly and Stripe. So we, we partner with, with a whole host of payments companies around the world. Ant Group or Alipay uh, is one of our partners. Um, and we enable them to provide their customers, known in payments as merchants, but it's basically any organization who needs to collect payment. Could be a retailer, could be the government, could be a services business, uh, hotel, hospitality. So any organization wants to collect payment, and now you get to the point of sale. So an example would be with um, in Belgium, right? If, if you want to sell to a Belgian uh in Belgians, typically their debit card would be provided by the national debit card scheme bank contact. So you are, I would guess that like me, uh, the debit card in your wallet, probably a visa card. Um, you're going to prove me wrong here now because it's a live podcast recording. It's actually a MasterCard. It's MasterCard. Okay, I know but, Visa has like in the US has what, 60, 70% of the market. Yeah. Like yeah. So v, but Visa MasterCard in the UK, MasterCard's uh, Visa rather is like 90 odd percent. Um, yeah. But Visa MasterCard, you know, that's what we're used to. So credit, debit, it's Visa MasterCard. If, if you relocated to Brussels or I did and opened up a bank account, likelihood is your debit card would be branded bank contact because in a number of European countries, the national debit card scheme still survives. So we're not talking about some exotic payment method here or an outlier. We're just talking about your debit card. So you're living in Brussels, you want to pay online with your debit card. Now this becomes a challenge for an international payments business. It's another local payment method they need to deal with. And yet their, their customer, the retailer, really wants to, to uh, offer it. Because if you're selling into Belgium, you need to offer it. If you're selling into the Netherlands, you need to offer Ideal, which is a, a pay-by-bank payment method, paying direct from your bank account. So the, the push comes up from the consumer to the retailer, from the retailer up to the payments company. And for the payments company, this is a challenge because there are many hundreds of important payment methods around the world. If they integrate to all of them, it's, it's huge overhead. And PPRO offers a layer that simplifies that and aggregates it, and in doing so, increases their speed to market as well as that of their customers. And the, and the payment methods are, are far from consolidating, right? They're proliferating with, with 
and you're not even getting into any crypto things. We're just talking about like core payment methodologies, right? Exactly. And, and uh, they're, they're totally proliferating. So wallets are becoming popular in more and more countries. Um, so, for example, Mercado Pago in Brazil or PayPay in Japan. Uh, Blick is a, a very fast-growing wallet on our platform in Poland. Um, you know, within their, their home market, these guys are growing rapidly and taking market share from more traditional forms of payment. So the, the, the rise of the smartphone has, has seen a, a big adoption of wallets. GrabPay in Southeast Asia is, is another big one. Mm -hmm. Uh, but but similarly, also fast growing our uh, bank transfer payment methods, and that's linked to the open banking trend. Uh, even in the U.S., albeit from a very small base, you know there there is a, a growth in the number of people who are paying for things direct from their bank account. Um, in Europe, that this is expected to grow because it will offer a much cheaper solution for retailers uh, than traditional cards or wallets. And this, this growth and proliferation um, in payment methods has contributed also to PPRO's growth. I know you guys you guys had a, a really strong fourth quarter. Can you talk about some of the trends in the business? Yeah, we, we, we have had a, a very good year, and, and particularly in the fourth quarter, we more than doubled our payment volume uh, year on year. So, uh, you know, we're in a really fortunate position, uh, much as a lot of the digital payments business, that despite the, the tragic wider consequences of the pandemic, we've seen an acceleration of the trends which are already there uh, for people to buy more uh, goods and services uh, online. And we think a lot of those new behaviors will stick uh, after the, the pandemic. Um, and what you've seen in the past 12 months is a lot of merchants rush to get online. So we've also seen the number of uh, merchants who are active on our platform double. Um, and, and as we've already mentioned, a lot of payment schemes themselves uh, are gaining traction if they were new or established players like, like PayPal just recently announced their uh, results for the year, you know, have just demolished one record after another. So. Yeah. Um, we're in a good position. I think the big difference from, from my perspective is uh, the criticality now of, of it enabling local payments. If you're a retailer who wants to cross borders or you're a payments company with customers like that, or you as a payments company want to get into new markets, uh, then you have to offer a local payment method choice. And, and we're seeing evidence of that. So I, I, uh, who do you envision as your direct competitors? Um, and I guess the corollary to that question is like, how do you do, how do you differentiate from one another? Yeah, so Pipro is uh, an unusual company in that we're really forging new ground. So we're building something that that hasn't been done before, and, and no one is 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 doing so with the same focus as us. So so we're building a platform that enables plug and play essentially for, for local payments. And there's a lot of complexity to address. It's not just a technical solution. We also move the funds. That means we have to collect funds, we have to settle to our customers and their customers in some cases, we have to reconcile, but you're also navigating different compliance rules, regulatory requirements can vary by country to country, uh, there can be FX complexity, tax complexity. So we're, with our platform we're providing an end-to-end in-depth solution, what makes us unique is we are building that specifically for the industry. So we go to market through our partners, with our partners, which are payments companies, you know, big and small, very tech oriented through to banks um, and, and in markets around the world, you know, from, from Asia through to Europe and US and beyond. So 
that that partnership model building a platform that enables local payments for the payments industry yeah, as opposed um, to going directly to merchants yeah so yeah. there are other companies that have local payments uh, focus not as global coverage as ours but that are going right after merchants um, and there's there's several in emerging markets you have pay you and d local uh, you have rapid uh, there are lots of companies, our partners, that, that have strong uh, local payments offerings um, but that are also going for merchants, and, but we differentiate in that regard. We, we want to build long-term partnerships where our payment company partners can outsource effectively uh, parts of what they need uh, through the value chain for local payments, and we're bringing that to the table, whether it's our product management experts uh, or compliance or we'll work as much or as little with our partners as they want right through the sales and marketing value chain. So um, we're really very adaptable to supporting how our partners want to go to market. That makes that makes a lot of sense. And and I read that you guys uh, just closed a, a big investment round. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, um, I'm really pleased to, to get through that milestone. I, th- I think you know, the, the, the growth in volume, raising investment is all a reflection of what our team uh, has been able to achieve at PPRO. Uh, we're now around 330 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we expect to add another 100 people this year. And we've got, you know, experts, payment professionals, as we call them, uh, around the world. And, and it's a great credit to them. And we've brought in uh, several new investors in this round, uh, which saw a total investment um, of $180 million. And um, per, uh, new investors in, include uh, Eurasio, um, Wellington, and uh, Sprint's Capital, growth equity investor out of Europe. And they're, they're you know, back to us because they're confident in, in the business model, in the problem we're solving, in the growth in the market opportunity. Uh, but I think first and foremost, it's, it's their confidence in the team. So that's terrific. What the funding means is we can uh, accelerate our investment and, and we use that to build the team, um, but also look for potential acquisitions. Uh, we made our, our first acquisition to date in 2019, which has proven very successful. It gave us a great uh, basis for Latin American expansion. And so we've, we've shown we can, we can merge and integrate well with other businesses and, and we'll look for more opportunities to do that. I guess how important is that, um, that acquisition model in terms of growing internationally? I guess versus uh, organic growth. Yeah, I think, um, you know, with, with that acquisitions, you have two categories uh, from my perspective. You, you have strategic acquisitions, which are... Sh- if they're done well, they should accelerate your strategic plan. So it's stuff you would do anyway, and you would do it organically. Mm-hmm. Um, but but an acquisition can get you there quicker, the right acquisition. Um, you have another category of acquisition, which, which you would call, say, bolt-on or consolidation. So it's where actually you you, you have something existing, but, but an opportunity comes up where for various reasons, it can just expand what you've got in that space. And, and um, maybe from a customer or revenue or even just people tech, and, and that can make sense too. So I think my, my priority is strategic acquisitions and it's, we won't do one for the sake of it, um, but if we, can, if we can get there quicker with like-minded folks, um, then, um, then we're open to doing that and have a management team that, that's able to take that on. 
And what's the future for Pipro? Are you, will you be an acquisition candidate longer term? Hmm. I, it feels at the moment in payments that everyone's an acquisition Everybody's candidate. A, yeah. uh, right. So, um, you know, even the largest payment companies, which have like, you know, one, 200 billion uh, uh, cap, uh, market caps I wouldn't rule out because there's there's trillion dollar tech companies out there who are interested in payments so who knows what the future holds but uh, but our focus is just to keep growing and, and delivering value for customers so um this year you know we'll start to think about okay when you know i get asked a lot about ipo for p pro that's definitely something we're starting to look at and consider we don't have a firm view on ipo and when that could be but that's definitely something we will develop a view over the course of this year on Right. I don't even want to bring up SPACs at this point, but um, <laughs> so um, where do things go from here? Like uh, it sounds like obviously just close this fundraise. I'm sure that took, you know, better part of a year, if not more, um, you know, and, and you're deploying this money in strategic acquisitions, you're growing the team. Like where's the business headed in 2021? Um, yeah, in 2021, I think we'll, we'll see an acceleration of our new product development. So we have a lot of exciting uh, things coming up for customers in terms of giving them more market coverage, uh, new payment methods, uh, but also enhancements of existing payment methods. Um, that's so we we typically you know when when a payment scheme introduces changes, uh, updates their API, we tend to adopt that very rapidly and make that available mm -hmm. to our customers. So I think um, that's one. Uh, I think we we're doing some innovative things. Of, to support our partners and enabling them to go to market. So we have an online uh, product marketing and, and partner support tool called Pro Discover. So that's an, another exciting initiative uh, for this year. We have time for one last question. What was your professional uh, New Year's resolution? <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell you the ones which are there every year. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, um, it's it's really communication. I think for from me leading, a, having the privilege to lead a fast-growing business um, means you know you, you have to constantly reassess, and, and that means at least once a year, you know how am I going about the role? How can I have an impact? And I think while we continue to operate under, under constrictions relating from COVID, you know I, I think while while on one hand that's not new, what I see with our our teams and also experience myself to be honest is there's a cumulative impact when you're working remotely. You know you, you get a bit jaded. It, it's mm. it's uh, everyone's now talking about Groundhog Day, right? And so I think uh, for me going into this year, it definitely is a commitment to think about how how can I better support the team, and a lot of that is 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 through communication and engagement, um, and and what. Uh, priorities to, to raise with them and, and what to listen to as well, what questions to ask. It makes a lot of sense. Simon, thank you for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. It was a pleasure, Zach. Thank you.